This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. Welcome to my podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Uh, If you're a long-time listener, welcome, and thank you so much for uh, the five years, hopefully, that you've been listening to this podcast. We started this journey back in December of 2018, and we're recording today in uh, late February of 2024, and this will be published right at the end of February, and unfortunately, folks, it's tax filing season. I know it's my favorite time of year where... You know, we we get to <laughs> send the IRS tax returns, hundreds, thousands, millions of them. I think they said there's like 130 million individual tax returns that get filed. And um, my two very good friends and colleagues here at Ide Bailey, Don Watson, who's a, the dental director in our Tustin, California office, and Scott Haberman, who is uh, a partner at Ide Bailey and uh, works out of Fort Collins, Colorado, are going to join me today. And we're going to talk about taxes, some new tax laws that might be coming down the pike, the new Corporate Transparency Act, which if you're not aware of it, you need to be aware of it because it's going to affect virtually all of you. And then we're just going to kind of talk about what what is what does tax filing look like? What's a marginal tax rate, an effective tax rate? And I just I just want to make, you know, give you guys clarity as to how this all works. So we'll get to Scott uh, and Don in a moment. Uh, I do want to thank my wonderful marketing partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, Lorraine Kent and Shane Moline and their entire team here in Southern California. They've been with me since the beginning. Um, They have 140 continuing education classes at a very reasonable price. Um, You want to go to their website, which is www.decisionsindentistry.com. But I've got really, really exciting news um, on a couple of fronts. Number one, We have been working on some video content here at Decisions in Dentistry and and myself, and I have created three uh, video education programs that are available at the website, which is www.decisionsindentistry.com. One is on metrics of a dental practice and overhead. One is on uh, retirement plans, what types of retirement plans, how much do you need for retirement, and the other one is is one of my favorites, which is called Arts Golden Rules of Financial Planning. And they're 60-minute uh, CE courses uh, that you can uh, purchase through the website. 
and I think you will really, really enjoy them. So if you would like to actually see what I look like, because you can't see what I look like. Uh, I see my two buddies laughing in the background here on the computer. But if you want to see what I look like, uh, it's an hour-long course for each one of them. Go to www.decisionsindentistry.com and you can obtain that. In addition, for those of you here in Southern California, we are starting to do some live seminars uh, in conjunction with Decisions in Dentistry, Belmont Publishing. Uh, the first one is going to be Saturday, March 16th. Um, it's going to be at Dave and Buster's in the city of Orange, which is a great venue. Uh, they have a really good conference venue. Our local uh, dental societies use that venue on a regular basis. And uh, we're going to have some great speakers. We're going to have a, a, a dentist talking about the use of CBCT machines in dentistry. I'm going to be talking about some of the new tax laws, some things you'll hear today, and also what a cost segregation study is. And then we've got some uh, folks from, uh, I believe, my social practice who are going to be talking about um, social media marketing. And we're going to be having quarterly CE courses with some great speakers, uh, and uh, I'm very excited about that. So if you would like to register for those courses, again, uh, please go to Decisions in Dentistry, uh, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Com, and you can register for those courses. Uh, and I think it will definitely be worth your while. Be sure to check out our new I'd Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. So again, I want to introduce my two good friends, uh, Scott Haberman, who's a partner in our Fort Collins, Colorado office of Ide Bailey, and Don Watson, who is my partner <coughs> in crime here at Preston. Uh, hey guys, how you doing today? Welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Hello, Art. Thank you for having us back. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for opening the door once again, Art. Appreciate it. Oh, no, no problem. Now, before we do this, we're required by law to talk some football because that is one of our favorite things that we like to do. So, Mr. Haberman, uh, your team made it to the national championship. Scott is a University of Washington graduate. Um, we won't talk about the result, but I guess you guys play them again, right? You play them again next season. You don't have your coach. You don't have your quarterback. Do you, do you even have a football team for next year? We're, we're still in process, but Michigan doesn't have either of those either. So I think That's we're right. both uh, evenly matched for uh, a good, uh, a good uh, fall game come uh, 2024. Now you actually ended up at the national championship game in uh, in um, Houston, didn't you? Yep, we had a lot better time at the uh, at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, uh, and you mentioned Dave and Buster's, and so me and my son, who I took with me to the game, uh, we tailgated at Dave and Buster's by playing video games for about three hours, and so that got us all uh, amped up for uh, cheering on the Huskies against Texas, and that was a great game. Well, I was actually I was rooting for your team because. My my son, who is also in the dental industry, is a diehard Ohio State fan. So I've now probably pissed off half of my listener base just in the first two minutes of this podcast. Um, so I was kind of rooting for UW because of you. And uh, Mr. Watson, uh, you are a graduate of Marshall University, but you are a big fan of the Roll Tide group, I understand? I am. I was one of those that was born in Alabama. So before I even went to college or even thought about college, I just uh, happened to gravitate towards 
watching a team that my father watched and it was Alabama for about 18 years before I hit the steps of Marshall University. So I root for them both. Now, as I understand it, uh, Mr. Haberman's coach is now your coach, right? Yeah, I wasn't as fortunate as Scott and got to go to that final step. Uh, so I think when we got stuck at the Rose Bowl, they uh, decided when uh, Coach Saban couldn't make it back that we just go uh, raid Washington and steal a coach and see if we can reproduce the success they had and make it to the national championship. So we'll, we'll see how 2024 goes. Yeah, so we're going to change the name of the podcast, The Art of Dental Finance and Football, and mm-hmm. that's just the way it's going to be from now on. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I wish we could talk football for the whole hour. So, um, guys, give us a little background on uh, your journeys into public accounting and dentistry. You want to kick it off, Don? Sure, sure. So I've been practicing for a little over 30 years. Uh, I originally started in uh, the same town I went to school in, which was Huntington, West Virginia. I was a staff accountant and moved up to be partner over a 22, 23-year career. And uh, about nine years ago, we decided to move out to the left coast and join a firm out here. And uh, for most of those years, though, I've been a generalist. So I was involved in accounting and tax and payroll and all those various functions. And um, after a few years of being out here in California, I met you, Art, as you know, and started moving into more of an industry-centric world, which was the dental world. And that's been my past five years, which 95% of my day is talking to and working with the uh, um, industry-oriented uh, accounts. And I will I will tell my audience, and I've mentioned this before, is I, I, I've gone through 44 tax seasons, and uh, Don is uh, taking over, you know, uh, in, I still work very closely with him on a lot of the accounts, and I uh, I got two texts this morning from two of our clients. So they, they, they all have my cell number, which is just kind of the way the relationships work. And uh, I could not have been more fortunate to have had someone like Don uh, take over and, um, you know, continue the legacy of uh, dental CPAism here in Southern California. Uh, folks, he is as good as it gets. <clears throat> Great to work with, very personable. And so uh, I'm very, very fortunate. I hope that all of you, when your time comes to transition your dental practices are as fortunate as I have been to have someone like Don take over. So that, that's been great. Mr. Haberman, what's your story? Yeah, so I'm, I'm fortunate too to have Don uh, as a colleague at the firm. So he's he's wonderful to bounce ideas off of and and uh, we, make a, we make a great team uh, from the left coast to the uh, no coast out here in the middle of the country. Uh, so my background, I'm from Seattle, Washington. And as we talked about earlier, went to the University of Washington for undergrad and <coughs> graduate. Started off in uh, public accounting with uh, one of the big four firms out in Seattle and uh, moved out to New York and and head back to Seattle to uh, plant the roots back there again and, uh, and have been practicing for only 20 years. So Don started out when he was, uh, he was 15 in public accounting. And I started out uh, uh, at at, uh, at the normal age of uh, of 22, so uh, you can you can do the math there. And I've been uh, I've been growing uh, within the dental industry for the last gosh I would say seven plus years now, um, serving uh, practices and ranging from startups to uh, 50 plus locations uh, with footprints around the country. And so I've been fortunate enough to to work with a lot of great people, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and forward thinkers, and and have been uh, enjoying this ride. And it's uh, it's it's definitely a unique one with the way that the industry is changing over the last 
uh, you know, five or plus years as, as I'm sure everyone can relate to. And so, uh, happy to be here. I'm a, I'm a tax guy by heart, but I love to, uh, talk about EBITDA and, uh, as, as we were talking about earlier, a little bit more football too. Uh, so, so that's me in a nutshell. So that was a great, uh, great entree. We didn't, we didn't rehearse that or anything, but I want to, before we get into the subject of taxes, uh, I mean, you guys are talking to Dennis every single day of, of your professional lives. I mean, you're, you're hearing their struggles, their concerns, their victories, their, um, their challenges. What, what are the challenges right now, beginning of 2024 that you're hearing from your clients? Go ahead, Don. Yeah, that's what I think probably what I would you know, segment this as is, um, you know, kind of like a lot of us, when you have businesses, they have different stages. So I think the ones that are in the early stages, um, and I'll talk more about the startup side, just because if you're in the early stage of your career and you bought a practice, you know, some of the problems are already solved because you're you're stepping in the shoes of somebody else that's already paved that path for you. But in the startup setting, uh, getting patients um, you know, probably one out of four people that I get to talk to are looking to start up a practice. And for them, it's how do I get patients? And you probably have two main paths. You can either sign up for uh, insurance plans, which, as we all know, is a pretty big haircut, but it also is a pre-made way of getting people sent to your doorstep. Or you got to find a good marketing. And we've come across many in our um, come across our path over the years that you can get and they can find the best types of patients for you. I would say in your mid-years, um, what we hear a lot of right now, where most of our clients are in their mid-cycle or mid-life cycle, it's usually getting team members. How can I find you know, a good hygienist, find a good um, assistant, and keep them? Re- Retention is also a big thing as well, but typically it's the finding of them. But the second issue is also going to be insurance. You've got your careers into this mid, mid-life cycle. Maybe you were well-known out there in the community, but you're still taking that big haircut of 25 to 40% from insurance. And that just, you know, from what you could be charging from a UCR perspective, that's a lot of money left on the table. And what is a way that they can transition from being insurance-oriented to more fee-for-service? And then I would say late in, late in the life cycle of a business or somebody's career, they're probably looking at, how do I transition out? And the, one of the big onsets recently has been DSOs. So now, if you were five years plus back, it would usually be a private party to private party transfer. Now they got to give consideration. Is DSO a potential answer? So I would say those are kind of the three different um, types of businesses that we would come across and probably what would be at the top of their mind, uh, given whatever states you're in. And we, you and I, Don, we've evaluated, uh, I think, several uh, doctors who are looking at selling to DSOs and is this a good deal? And, and again, we're not going to spend a whole hour on that, but the one thing I do want to emphasize again, and we, we will have some additional podcasts coming up in the first six months of the year about this topic is that every DSO is different. Every deal is different. So there's no cookie cutter. I mean, we all know we have to file a 1040. We know that's the form you file, but in DSO, they're all over the board. So um, there's a, a lot of challenges, but the, the great thing about us at I Bailey is we, we, we take doctors from cradle to grave. I mean, if you're starting up a practice, we can help you. If you got, you know, if you're a you know, 20, 30, 50 location practice, we can help you. Um, and the, the, the resources that this firm have are, are frightening. I mean, cybersecurity, um, financial planning, cost segregation, uh, IRS. I mean, it, I, 
they told me we have like 200 verticals. It's crazy. Not all of them apply to dentistry. But anyway, Scott, what are you seeing in uh, Colorado? Um, well, not, yeah, here in Colorado and, and kind of across the country, you know, I've heard from a number of my clients that you know, Q4 maybe wasn't the strongest they've had in the last couple of years. And Q1 is, is starting off a little bit slow. And I think there's a variety of reasons for that. But but if you take a step back and think about over the last you know four years of what we've gone through with you know that dirty word of COVID, uh, you know we went from shutdown, no money coming in the door except for outstanding AR, uh, to cash is in everybody's pockets and they don't have enough uh, <clears throat> things to spend it on. And so I think uh, 2021, when the door started opening again, and in 2022, and and even into part of 2023. A lot of money was flowing into the into the economy, and so uh, I think that patients were probably more uh, open to uh, accepting uh, cases that you present, and so I think that docs were having maybe an easier time with case acceptance over those years and able to sell a lot more than previously. Um, and that said, with you know the the economy, the way that it's heading, it's a, all that uncertainty that's out there. I think some folks are probably just a little bit more timid to open their pocketbooks, which you know time will tell, and we'll, we'll hear more about that soft landing uh, that they're talking about uh, with with the Fed uh, touching on inflation rates over the last you know year, trying to control inflation. Uh, but I, I think that's probably number one on my talking points with my clients is you know what's what's going on. What do you what do you see? Um, with 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 your other practices out there, and, and and that's more more times than not is is what I'm hearing is okay things are a little bit slower than they have been previously. So it's all about well let's let's manage you know your bottom line, not just your bottom line those expenses, uh, but also the top line growth. So let's start focusing on those metrics um, that that you'll probably talk about in one of those uh, next podcasts. Art. Yeah. No. Th- th- this is all good, doctors. You want to be working. Uh, on your business, just not just in your business. And, um, you know, uh, one, one of our members of our Academy of Dental CPAs, Bob Gray, would always say, uh, if you don't have a CPA who knows the difference between medial and distal, you should be getting a new CPA. Um, I know what they are. I just can't spell either one of them, but I do know what they are. Let's get into some of the some of the meat of what we want to talk about today. Um, there is this new legislation that has just come on uh, called the Corporate Transparency Act. And um, if you guys can just, I don't want to get deep into this, but I want our listeners to know that it exists, what it is, and uh, how they can get um, uh, the requirements of filing taken care of. So if one of you guys could just talk about that for a second. Yeah, I can can start it off. Um, So this has been in the works for, gosh, I'd say over, over a year now, and they've, they've changed some of the release dates and, and Dubai dates for this filing. But, but from the background of it, um, the financial crimes enforcement, uh, uh, group of the government is trying to, um, essentially crack down on money laundering and other illegal activity, uh, within businesses. And, and they think that this will be a good way to do it. Um, but there's big loopholes in these filings as well, where <clears throat> if you want to launder money and do things illegally, uh, there's a way around it, uh, outside of these filings. Uh, but how it affects our clients is every client, uh, probably 99% of them, have an LLC or corporation or an S corporation 
that will probably fall in lines with uh, needing to file uh, these uh, these forms with that uh, financial crimes network. And so uh, it, it, just a heads up that it's not a uh, income tax filing. It's really something that goes along the lines of, okay, it's requesting your uh, personal information. It's requesting um, information about your LLC or corporation or S corporation, uh, most of which is is uh, done via legal filing. And so uh, maybe Don can get into the due dates and and what's in 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 those historical entities when you need to file by and and for those new ones, what's the best strategy to get these done? Yeah, uh, agree. Uh, FinCEN's been around for a while now, probably over thirty years, and it seems like periodically they. Because of the things going on with you know, anti-terrorism, money laundering, and, and things where money is the the force behind stuff, things that go bad, FinCEN has stepped in periodically and come up with different kinds of reportings. You know, years ago was the Form One One Four. Most people know that as the FBAR. You know, they want to know about accounts you have outside the country of a certain level, and they've done other things along the way. This new um, this new filing is called a Beneficial Ownership Information Form. And as Scott said, it's really giving more specific detail about the entity and who has ownership in the entity. And it affects about every entity that exists out there. There are exceptions, not something that we have gotten into deeply from uh, from what our job entails. And uh, a, a lot of the reason for this is that because this form is really centered around more of a legal aspect of you know, what the entity is and who owns it, it has become more of a hey, we need to really go see the attorney, the corporate attorney about this getting filed. And we get a lot of questions and the firm's position has been because of the nature of the penalties, like FinCEN has done with a lot of their other filings, they are steep in nature. You know, things such as if you are late filing, it's 500 bucks a day. There's another $10,000 penalty for if you're in willful violation or you, you cross some other line. So when you start thinking about what, this really could mean to someone that is in charge of preparing it, it, it really falls out of the purview of what we do. Um, but yeah, I think really other than what I've heard about a partnership or a general par- partnership or an, a sole proprietor, um, every other entity has got a filing requirement. And there are a number of exceptions, but you really need to talk about those that have a, a lot of in-depth knowledge about when you can be accepted. And I think I think the one thing we just want to share with everybody, <laughs> and then we'll move on, is the fact that if you formed an entity, and again, it's pretty much if you have an LLC, if you have an S corp, um, you you have to if you form the entity before 2024, uh, you have till the end of 2024 to file these forms. If you formed an entity in the first you know two months of this year uh, or any time in 2024, you've got what is it 90 days, guys. A 90-day clock starts to begin running, yes. And, and, and I suspect there are attorneys who are incorporating or setting up LLCs who may not know about this. So, doctors, if you are setting up a new entity, maybe you're buying a building, maybe you're buying a practice, um, you need to make sure that this case is take, taken care of because, as Don said, the penalty is very onerous. And, and just want to let you know, 
that is not something that most CPAs are doing. It's more of a, an attorney uh, thing. So let's move on here. So I always call March and April, be kind to your CPA month. Um, you know, our, uh, our three collective spouses on this podcast know that um, from around February 15th to March 15th, we, uh, April 15th, we kind of give them a picture of ourselves with a big smile on our face. And then they, uh, on April 15th, maybe they see us again. It's a, uh, you know, until you've gone through a tax season as, as we have all gone through many of them, it's uh, it's kind of like running a marathon. So I want to talk to our listeners kind of about, you know, you're getting your tax stuff together right now. You're starting to send it in, right? Um, <clears throat> what kind of tips can we give to our listeners, not not only on, on how they can make our lives easier, which is all that really matters, right, guys, is making our lives easier. But 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 by making our lives easier, it, it would actually save money and fees, too. So maybe talk a little bit about how people can get ready for uh, April 15th with us. Yeah, I can I can take this one. Um, so uh, stay away from those shoe boxes. Number one, uh, shoe boxes are uh, the most efficient way to exchange information. Uh, I always recommend carrier pigeon instead. Uh, <laughs> just just kidding. Uh, so uh, as we have gone down this road of technology <clears throat> and folks working remote, I think everyone has really gotten used to the exchange of information electronically. So I always encourage my clients, upload your information to our secure portal where we can transfer information. Saves you gas mileage from driving down the street to uh, drop off your docks at our offices. And it's it's secure, it's efficient, and uh, like Art said, it can save hours in tax prep time sifting through a box of information um, when things can uh, come into our system electronically and and using our tools to help organize it a lot more efficiently. Um, so that's what I always recommend is is just think about uh, doing more uh, mass uploads rather than piecemeal of, okay, I uploaded this today, here's this item tomorrow, and uh, just try to collect it all. And once you get it, let's uh, take a look at your information and then move forward from there. The one I'd throw in there is, is uh, if any of you work with a CPA accounting firm, you probably get an annual tax organizer. I could tell you historically, I probably get a third of those organizers back. They are terribly helpful for us. They, you know, uh, provoke a lot of thought on questions that will help us in preparation of the return, Change, changes of contact information. Was there some sort of transaction or event that occurred last year that we should know about to make sure that your return filing is complete? Clarifying dependence, clarifying you know other aspects of your return. So that in conjunction with your documents is a very necessary piece to that puzzle. So if you can fill those out and return those with your documents, we should do better at you know, controlling the time that goes into uh, putting it together and make sure the return is as complete as possible. Uh, I'm going to add a couple of things. Again, having been through over 40 tax seasons, number number one, uh, <clears throat> please don't wait until April 13th to call us up and say, oh, uh, you know, uh, here's, here's my stuff. Uh, the earlier that you're able to get information to the CPA. So remember that in our world, Many of the entities that we have, uh, S-corporations and uh, partnerships, LLCs, uh, the due date for their tax returns is <clears throat> coming up on March 15th. So we're pushing on March 15th to get those done or extended. Uh, and then right after that is the April 15th deadline. So uh, th that's uh, that's number one. Number two, 
is if if one of these guys or their team members call you, please get back to them quickly because we're we really want to get your stuff done. Um, you know, the 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 last week or two of tax season is just always uh, uh, controlled, maybe in some cases <laughs> uncontrolled chaos. So. So that that's uh, that's that's good advice there. So, I, I, next thing I want to talk about is I, I get people just say, you know, oh, I'm in the eighty percent bracket. I'm paying way too much in taxes. So, once you guys, let's get into some high level stuff about the difference between a marginal tax rate and an effective tax rate. And and the fact is, folks, you know, we don't control how much taxes you pay. All right, you you control. You know, if you give more to charity and 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 home mortgage interest and write offs. So, guys, talk a little bit about you know what tax rates are clients and what's an effective, what's a marginal, <laughs> how should they evaluate it, and um, you know how how does it uh, how do they differ? Yeah, it, I got a line that I can tell my clients as we're doing tax planning during the year, and they ask if they can write off their their dog, their running shoes. Their, uh, their gold they're buying uh, and buried in the backyard. And I tell them, well, everything's deductible until you get caught. So let's let's go ahead and write everything off. And I, I kid that way uh, with them. And we really try to go through some more of those tax strategies that are available. Um, and it is about, well, let's, let's figure out what you're spending for your practice. So you might be paying out of pocket personally and, and other items like that. But uh, giving some background on those tax rates, you know, there is uh, those two different terms that you talked about. Are one's effective, uh, your effective or 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 yeah, your effective tax bracket, and so that's essentially the taxes that you're paying uh, over, so divided by your taxable income. So just because that you're you're making say three hundred thousand dollars doesn't mean that that whole three hundred thousand dollars is taxed at the thirty percent. Uh, marginal tax bracket. So marginal is there's these separate layers <coughs> of income are taxed at different rates. So the first uh, layer is taxed at 10%, second 12, uh, the third 22, the fourth 24, and so on. And so those are called marginal tax brackets. So just because your income is $300,000 doesn't mean all 300,000 of that is taxed at that 24% rate. It really is uh, kind of layered into those different uh, marginal rates. And so that's the difference between those marginal tax brackets and then also the effective tax rate. Just give me some background there. Yeah, and I think Ari kind of mentioned about how how does the tax number come to be? And it's going to be a result of what your bottom line income is, you know, whatever that, wherever you end up at the end of the year. And the two things that you know Scott and I and you and your career have tried to do is, you know, I usually think it's a two-pronged approach. We wanted to work with you during a year to do one of two things, which is either mitigate your tax uh, issue or manage it. Mitigating meaning, you know, let's talk about the tools that are available to uh, you during the course of the year to bring that number down. You know, you can't always do this magic on December 30th of each year. Sometimes you're starting the year with a, a premise or an approach that you want to implement. Sometimes it's when we do tax planning with you in the fall. There are things you can do during the last few months of the year that could mitigate uh, what that income is and ergo your tax liability. The other thing is manage it. Uh, there may not be anything else you can do. Maybe you've exhausted all the avenues that you could go down, but what we like to do is to have that discussion by the end of the year so that you know what's coming. You know, If there is something else we need to do from an estimate or a withholding before you end to manage, say, underpayment penalty, or just simply, if you know three months in advance 
what does April 15th come look like? You could prepare for it. So that's the manage aspect of what we like to do with clients. Um, might be my best summer. Well, yeah. and again, my what I always say is, is we have two jobs as tax uh, professionals. Number one is to do everything that we can to increase the federal deficit. The federal government's done a very good job of it on their own. I think it's $34 trillion is the debt right now. But our job is to have you pay the least amount of income tax under the law legally. Um, you know, and, and I always talk about there's black, there's white, there's gray. You know, white, white we do all day, black we don't do, and gray we talk about it because there are ways. And I have to, you know, as does Don and Scott, we need to be able to sit in front of an IRS auditor with a straight face and say, uh, yes, his dog is deductible. But, you know, we, know we can't do that. But uh, there are some things that we can do. And and I, I also want to, at this point, I'm going to let these guys give out their contact information uh, and, and I, I, I don't, I, I don't toot our own horns on this podcast. Those of you who've listened to me for five years know that this is an informational podcast to help you to meet your business <clears> and personal <throat> financial goals. But the, the fact is, is I am so proud of what I'd be, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm proud, uh, that I'm part of I'd Bailey, that I've met these guys and that our firm has resources that are like, um, uh, I, I always compare it in the dental world to saying, you know, if I had the Panky Institute, John Coy's, Frank Spear, and Gordon Christensen in my office as resources, uh, that's the comparison to what we have here at I Bailey. And um, if you are if you are working with a good CPA, a good dental CPA, and they're taking really good care of you, you should continue to work with them. <clears throat> if you're not getting the information that you need, if you're not understanding why your business isn't as profitable, if you're not sitting down and planning your taxes, if you're getting a call on April the 13th that says, gee, I owe $50,000, why didn't you tell me? Uh, you should probably give us a call. So um, I'm going to let you guys, if, if, if we have a doctor that's just in trouble or something, or they, they want someone new, it is, I mean, this is going to come out, you know, beginning of March, end of February, but give out your contact information, guys, as to how they can get a hold of you. Uh, it'll also be in the show notes. So, Scott, start with you. Sure. Uh, my my email is very long and hard to follow. So, my, my direct line is 970-999-8932. So, just give me a call. Uh, and if I don't pick up, I usually do, uh, but if I don't pick up, just leave a message, uh, with a callback number and, and happy to, happy to talk about what's going on. That's a great starting point for what we do. And some good background is, uh, we've re redeveloped our website over the years. So always starting there and you can kind of click into some of the industries that we do. And in this case, the dental or medical side, but idbailey.com, um, good place to begin. You can find us both on there. Uh, my email address, uh, as for all of us here, is our first initial last name. So whenever you you know, have our names, you can just mine. My, in my case, would be D Watson, and that's at idbailey.com. So good, good, uh, easy way to uh, remember how to get in hold of us. All right, thanks for that, guys. Let's get into some more of the meat of this. Uh, I know that there's some <clears> nice <throat> tax credits out there if you purchase electronic vehicles. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm more near wheelhouse Scott from the tax side. So I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, so yeah, these have changed over the years substantially. Um, <clears throat> starting off with uh, you know the Tesla credit years ago, seventy five hundred bucks uh, for purchasing a Tesla. There weren't many restrictions on those in the past. Any kind of income limitations, 
uh, other than the big limitation is once uh, a number of those cars were sold, that credit would go away or phase down over time. And so now uh, that phase down, from my understanding, doesn't uh, doesn't occur over time, but there are a lot of income limitations. And so unfortunately, I think for most of uh, our clients who are very, very successful and their income <laughs> is, is very high, um, these credits might not be available. And so it's something to talk about with your CPA. If you're thinking about buying a, a car, a truck uh, for your business or personally, you know, what, what, what could apply for me in my particular situation. But as I tell my clients, uh, don't let the tax sale wag the dog, um, number one. And so find a car that fits your needs. I think California, you're required to buy electronic vehicles. You don't allow gas in your state anymore. Uh, but for uh, my clients over the rest of the country, uh, usually uh, uh, you, you get your choice between uh, gas, hybrid, and electric. Certainly over with electric bikes, I can tell you that, <laughs> at least in South, uh, South California. Um, yeah, and one of the interesting things, and, and the reason why, why a lot of times if you, anybody picks up on this, and I'll re- defer to Scott many times in the taxes, my life I've done, as I said, both both disciplines, uh, but I tend to live more in the accounting and the QuickBooks side of things with some tax. Scott's more of a tax focus and dips into the accounting. So uh, my my skill sets aren't always as high on some of these newer evolving issues, but I do try to keep my toes in air and uh, stay abreast of it. One of the things I do recall, I think from the changes that was not in past years was the fact that some of these vehicles now need to be finished being produced or assembled in North America, which was never a requirement before. That is correct, yeah. But the the incentives are more about if we're going to give credits to the taxpayers, we want to make sure that the jobs are staying here um, in the country. Yeah. So if you're, so you're going to go out and buy a car, <clears throat> folks, um, I just, I just, uh, unfortunately, out of necessity, I had to go get a new car about three weeks ago. Um, a, a, a large rock uh, went off of an 18 wheeler into the side of my car and the insurance company totaled it. And now I have a new car. But uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that, um, uh, you know, like, like Don said, don't let, and Scott said, don't let the tag tail wag the investment dogs. It could be thousands of dollars of a tax credit. And if a, an electric or a hybrid vehicle is in your wheelhouse, uh, the dealer will be able to tell you, but your CPA can also look up. There's lists the IRS has on that. Let's talk about some deductions, guys, that maybe people miss. In other words, it, you know, everybody's now starting to think about putting their tax stuff together. We want to save you know, taxes. Is there anything as you're putting your 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 organizers, we hope your organizers together, um, that, that they should be thinking about that maybe they wouldn't be thinking about that could be a tax deduction? Yeah, the, the big one this year, I think everyone knows about 179, accelerating expenses, kind of the tried and true strategies <laughs> that we talked about over the years. Well, something new for those younger practices, or maybe not even the younger ones, but the ones that have a newer retirement plans that have just started up over the last five or so years are <coughs> these credits, not only credits, tax credits for starting up the retirement plan, uh, but also tax credits for contributing to your employees, uh, either via match or profit share into their 401k accounts. And so those are a big deal where you're potentially getting a credit up to $1,000 per employee for the funds that you're putting into their accounts. So that's something that's gonna add up pretty darn quick for a lot of our clients that have these plans. As you guys know, the states are moving into mandatory retirement plans, either via 
uh, signing up for one yourself or through their state's website and their program. And so that's something I encourage looking at, uh, depending on uh, uh, the date you started your plan. And I believe the most benefit is for those really young ones. And then uh, I think anything six years older, uh, you're mostly out of luck. Uh, there's not much benefit there, but anything uh, younger than six years of a retirement plan, there's some healthy tax credits to talk to your CPA about, make sure that they're picking those up on your, on your tax return. Cause I think it's going to be something that a lot of folks are going to miss. Yeah. I was thinking, just reverting back to the personal return side of things. It's gotten very difficult to find a, a lot of good places to write things off. Up until about seven years ago, uh, Schedule A, if you itemize reductions, had it placed for employee business expenses. And you know, we would see a lot of times our, you know, the clients we work with are employees in nature. So if they were using their car, they did traveling, stuff like that, to some degree, they'd have a place to write those, those things off. When the tax laws changed at the end of 17, you didn't have that ability. So that took away one of the big areas. You know, so what are you really left with? Um, the rest of Schedule A is taxes. Well, that has a limitation of $10,000. So, you know, keeping track of all your personal property taxes and your real estate taxes doesn't do anything more for you once you hit the $10,000. So, uh, where do you go to next? And if you have a home, mortgage interest. But the biggest one probably would be donations. Um, keeping in mind that as you drop stuff off at Goodwill, Salvation Army, having those receipts nearby. Uh, if you're giving money to charity, you can only use a check up to a certain amount. I think it's $250 to support it. Otherwise, you make sure you get acknowledgements from the, from the charities. But outside of what goes on a Schedule A, a lot of the things that you would normally want to be able to do to help your tax situation would be through your business. Without having a business, you probably are going to be a little bit, you know, lost in where you're able to go from there. So if you were a sole proprietor, which is part of your personal return, then you want to use your business expenses there. But if you've got a corporation as corporate C-Corp, that's where you want to keep in mind, how can I make use of the rules over there? And that's, as Art said, the gray areas where a lot of our clients like to play and take some liberties as a business owner. So the cars, you know, the kids on payroll, you know, if you're traveling for CP, um, for CE, but it also can be part of a vacation, those are where you probably can you know, take a few extra liberties. But in the end, it's all going to come down to what would be a ordinary business type of expenditure that you could, with a straight face, talk to an auditor about and say, yes, this was the business purpose. A high arching comment that I always tell everybody is ordinary and necessary. What would be the business story behind why you paid this? And if you could say, this is what I, why I did it, then I think you'd have an argument to claim it as an expenditure. I, I will also share that I've been reading on the internet, and I try and read as much as I can, is that uh, the IRS <clears throat> is making it, the commissioner came out on the internet and basically <clears throat> said, hey, we are coming after high income taxpayers because we are seeing abuses. So if you make $75,000 a year, that doesn't mean you won't get audited, but they're not going to be coming after you as much as if you make four, five, six hundred thousand $600,000 a year, because that is where the government is seeing their biggest opportunities on an hourly basis for their employees to come after people. So uh, we have a saying that we use pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. 
So, you know, like I said, black, white, and gray is the test. And I always have told people in the years that I've been a CPA guys that, uh, you know, uh, I run my CPA practice under the we're all adults rules. And if you tell us that a credit card charge to Costco or home base or home Depot is a business expense, uh, unless you want to pay us tens of thousands of dollars more a year for us to go through every receipt, which you don't want us to do. We're going to believe it. And if you get audited, I don't want to hear about it. And that's kind of how this works pretty much. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we, we try to keep as many checks and balances in place as we can, but you know, certainly to a limit, you know, we're trying to be efficient and effective at the same time. So if we were just going to pour through every charge and question and say, did you write down on that receipt what the business connection was? Probably not. I mean, all we can do is we try to convey again, the overarching concept of, what would you tell somebody the business connection was to that meal, to that purchase at you know ABC store, whatever it was? And if you can drive a business connection to it, then most likely you're going to be okay for the deduction. All right. So we get clients, we all have had this, who call us up on you know April 10th and say, hey, you know, hey guys, just file an extension. They're not going to give us any information. Just file an extension. Uh, why does that not work and what are the rules on extensions and how that uh, works? It doesn't work because I'm on vacation April 10th through the 15th. Oh, that, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> we're on the golf course, man. We're, we're, going, yeah. we're going to opening day at the, uh, uh, well, maybe Dodgers, Angels, whatever team you go, you know, Rockies, I guess, maybe. So, yeah. Yeah. I, well, but, it, but, the extension, uh, like you mentioned, are, uh, it's an extension to file your tax return. Gives you more time to file it. Does not give you time more time to pay your taxes. All right. And that, that might not have been a big deal over the three years ago when rates underpayment penalties and interest rates for not paying your, your taxes by the April 15th deadline uh, might uh, be compounding at 0.1%. But now uh, underpayment <coughs> and penalty rates are up to uh, five plus percent these days. And so you want to make sure that, that you get paid in, enough. And and usually as Don and I are meeting with our clients at a midpoint of last year or the end of last year, uh, we'll have a good baseline for, for what their tax liability will be. And so, uh, but if you're expecting to delay your payment to <coughs> October, then uh, you're going to be unpleasantly surprised about the amount of interest and penalties the IRS is going to want on top of your tax payments. Yeah. For those that never experienced it, um, there is up to what I would say is four penalties that could exist on your return because of what you didn't do during the year or as of filing date. So you have underpayment penalty, which is about you getting the right amount of money to the IRS during the course of the tax year. When you get to April 15th, three other things could potentially kick in, which is a late filing penalty, which is the reason for the extension. If you have dollars that we think are due and you should pay them, you get those in because then the last two things kick in, which is either going to be late payment penalty, which is what you would owe as of April 15th, but didn't pay till sometime after. And then the fourth would be interest, time value money. If you don't give that balance due by April 15th, then you start accruing an interest-oriented penalty. So those four things are something that Scott and I and Ardo Regiers have tried to monitor and manage along the way because all these dates have some significance for when something might need to take place. 
And guys, there's also something called a frivolous <clears throat> extension. So you hear about this, you go grab yourself, it's form 4868, uh, and you just put down, I had zero tax and nothing paid in, you send it into the IRS. And it turns out that you didn't make a whole bunch of money and you paid money in, but you owed and you didn't pay it. Uh, the IRS has the right. I've never seen it. I don't know if you guys have. I've never seen it, but it is in the law that if you file a frivolous <clears throat> extension, you didn't make the effort to figure out what was your liability and put down what you paid. They can say that you did not yes. file an extension. So you must file the extension. If you don't file, it's 5% per month of the amount of money that you owe. Now, if you don't owe money, you know, I suppose you could not file your return, but we don't like to do that because then they start sending you letters and then they create your own. I mean, it, it's just bad, bad karma not to do this. So, all right. So it's early 2024, guys. I wish we could do this for hours, but we don't have all that time. <laughs> all right. So we're in February. You guys have been talking to your clients in January, maybe setting their salary schedule. So what kind of things can can these guys uh, be looking at to try and save taxes for 2024? So I always say, let's get in front of the, let's get in front of the, the eight ball before you get behind it. Right. And so let's figure out what we can do um, to minimize those liabilities. What laws have changed? What is coming down the pike to really save you um, tax dollars, whether it's IRS state and so forth. Um, yeah, as we're going down this, going down this path, uh, one item that I really like, uh, that's still out there. The rules are complicated if you're in multiple states, but is the salt cap workaround. So states have come up with a workaround to uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, limitation that was passed back in 17 to cap your real estate income taxes and personal property taxes to $10,000 that you can deduct on your personal tax return. So all of our docs are uh, more than likely uh, in, in relatively nice houses, right? And the real estate taxes are, are probably well over 5,000, maybe close to 10 or even over 10,000. So they're not able to deduct any, I'm laughing at, I'm laughing at Don because he's, 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 he's pointing out to go higher for those real estate Have taxes. you ever been to California, Scott? Have you ever been to California? Really? You know, that's that state like where the water is on the end, the one that's supposed to well, fall off the, when, when I this is great. When I when I left <laughs> high school, James Madison High School in Brooklyn, December of 1975. Okay, they had they showed me a they showed me a New York Times. Um, the front page said, um, "East so East Coast seismologists predict California will fall off the United States by 2020." So uh, you know, I mean that that we property taxes here are higher, Scott. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking this guy, I live about 10 miles inland from where Art is. I, I might have beachfront property someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might, we might be roommates. Who knows? So, um, so but yeah, I mean, um, the, the, you know, we got, I mean, how about retirement plans guys? We should be looking at that too. Right. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, I'd say in our, in our tool, toolbox that we talk a lot about over the uh, over the course of the year and, and even at the end of the year, towards the end of year for tax planning, you know, we're, and I mentioned a few of these before, but retirement is usually an issue. Um, you know, having kids on payroll, again, if it could be justified, we are looking at um, um, you know, buying of things. So you could be buying supplies, you have an extra batch of implants to put on the shelf. 
um, talking about buying equipment. Again, never looking to the tax tail to make that decision. But if you were going to do something in the coming six months and you were facing, you're know, looking down the barrel of a, a large tax picture, well, making that payment in December and getting the equipment installed and in service could very well be a better deal than waiting next year. At worst, you're at least advancing the deduction. So if time value money, you're taking in the sooner tax year than later one, but you could very well be, uh, you know, staving off, keeping yourself out of that next marginal tax bracket as well. I always try to emphasize most of our clients, at least in this world we live in, are cash basis. So you always have to be mindful that most times to get a deduction, you're going to have to be willing to spend cash in some way, shape or form. It's can we do it efficiently, keeping it in the family or doing it in a way that may come back to you at a better rate. And retirement is one of those things where you could store some dollars. Uh, sometimes they could, be, they could be big dollars. And we will look to and have discussions about what available cash uh, can be used. Because you know, are we talking about a simple plan, which maybe keeps a commitment level of 30000 and below? Or are we talking about going up to a mid-level or a high-level plan like a DB plan? So those are the kinds of things you got to be you know, willing to, if you'd like to save, there are other options, but they get limited. If you're trying to put $200,000 aside and take it off the table now, you know, probably buying a $3,000 scanner or a, you know, spending money on cameras or $80,000 for CBCT is not going to do as much damage as you know, maybe what a high-level retirement plan could do. Right. Okay. So as we kind of wrap this up, there's some new legislation that's in Congress. Now we know that Congress has got their hands full with, oh my God, all kinds of things that's going on. Uh, there is a bill that had bipartisan support that passed the House of Representatives back on the 1st of February called the Tax Relief and Workers Act of 2024. Um you know, there was a two-week uh, recess that just finished up in the Senate. Uh, they didn't get to it in the Senate. There's concern in the Senate. But this legislation is out there. Um, I know they're talking about increasing the child tax credit, right? Yep, absolutely. And so they, they want to go back to some of those um, those levels of tax <clears throat> credits that were passed as part of the, the COVID acts years ago. And so <laughs> that's part of the rider that's in the bill as uh, as the horse trading happens in uh, in Congress of, all right, well, I want this, says one party. The other party will say, well, I want that. And so they're going to have to have a, a, a meeting of the minds to pass this. And that was part of the the, <clears throat> the bargaining chips for some of the folks that wanted the uh, bonus depreciation to go back to 100%. Because currently, 2023, it, it, it fell to 80% bonus depreciation rather than the 100% that we've had over the last uh, number of years. And now it's down to 60% for 2024. And so uh, that's part of the, the bill that was passed. It's with, uh, it passed through Congress and now it's with the Senate. And the outlook is unclear whether it's gonna pass as is or if there's gonna be changes or if it's just gonna fall flat on its face. I mean, who knows uh, what these politicians will do these days. Um, so I'm not holding my breath for it to, to happen in the next week or so. But I think something will happen. We'll get some news uh, maybe shortly after this podcast is is released. But um, uh, I'll let Don cover some of the other ones uh, that are part of the bill. Uh, but just 
as an FYI, I always encourage clients extend, 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 even if you're going to file on time, because if you don't extend and you file, you have to go back and amend a tax return if the tax law changes and it's retroactive. But if you extend, you can what's called supersede your tax return and be able to do a lot more things with the superseded tax return than you can an amended tax return. So it's very taxpayer friendly. So uh, I always encourage my clients. Um, and if you're not working with us, uh, tell your CPA, I want to extend my S corporation. I want to extend my partnership, even if you're going to file it by March 15th or April 15th. Yeah. And, and there's, there's also, I know that not a lot of our clients have taken advantage of this guys, but there's the research and development tax credit. And uh, Don, you and I ran into this with one of our bigger clients and, and they just changed the laws and almost made it, made it not worth it. But now they're talking about changing it back. Yeah. Yeah. So as Scott said, the most tax acts are going to have a number of layers to them and have a number of things, you know, maybe it's save the amoeba in the Gulf Coast or whatever, but there's probably going to be a, a core, you know, one, two, three, four things that affect what we do on a day-to-day basis. You guys quit laughing. On a day-to-day basis, Scott mentioned one, uh, most people buy stuff throughout the year, the equipment, and one, two, take the accelerated depreciation. I would say many taxpayers are familiar with the Section 179 that's been around for a number of years. So what happens when these acts are taking a while to pass, they handcuff us and our ability to file returns timely. Trust us, we can't extend every return because we got to make money all throughout the year. We can't do all the work in the fall. We want to get stuff done, but things like this handcuff us. One of the good things is if they can't figure out the 168, which is the bonus depreciation, we probably can turn to 179, still get you 100% deduction and move on and not extend you. R was alluding to an issue which was related to R&D. In the dental world, we looked at this for a good hard while, three, four years ago, but come to find out research and development just isn't that strong anymore of of uh, an argument to use in the dental world, unless you have maybe uh, an on-site lab, which very few, I would say, of our clients have, other than the one that Art's referring to. Where we're having a problem is that the rules of Section 174 back in 2022 compelled us to put an asset in place and amortize it. Well, that means I would take a piece of that deduction in 2023. But wait, this new tax act might change the direction I've got to go. I don't know if I'm taking a, another piece of amortization. I don't know if I'm going to amend my last year return. I don't know if I'm going to deduct all of it in 2023. They got to decide what is the ultimate rule that they're going to have in place and what is the mechanism to, to resolve it. So now I got to tell, as our seven of our bigger clients, you, know, you got to go on extension. That was not their desire going into the year. But now, now I'm compelled to do that. Otherwise, we might be amending returns. We don't have to because of jumping the uh, jumping the gun. And and what's going to pay for all this tax write off and tax deduction <clears throat> is in this proposal, folks. Um, the employee retention tax credit. And every time I say that word, I just cringe because I've been living this nightmare for two years. As the three of us have been in the legislation. It says that they will not, the IRS will not allow any more filings of ERTC uh, claims after January 31, 2024. Now, we're past January 31, 2024, 
But the IRS and Congress are saying, wait a minute, we told everybody that that we're going to do this to pay for all these tax changes. So if you have not filed an ERC, ERTC claim, uh, you may be out of luck right now. And, and, and guys, this ERTC, unfortunately, while it was intended to be a really good thing to help businesses get through the <coughs> pandemic, it has turned into probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest, it's not a scam, but but people are using it. Uh, one guy on the internet called it the best tax hustle he's ever seen in his 19 years of being alive. <laughs> I mean, it was it was ridiculous. So, uh, you know, it, it, if you guys have filed ERC claims and you went to one of these houses that said, uh, because, what'd you say, amoeba? The amoeba <laughs> is breathing, you get the credit. I mean, we've had we've had clients go rogue on us, right, Don and Scott? They've said we've told them they don't apply for the credit, but they went mm-hmm. to a company and they they got hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, IRS is coming after you here, guys. So what? I mean, a little comment on this ERC thing before I throw up here. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> that's a good point. It, and it, it's meant for those companies who kept uh, their employees on payroll during the <clears> pandemic. <throat> Well, that's the intention of it, but like Art said, it's very, very widely abused, um, and and the IRS is 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 coming after folks. Um, you know, the wave. I don't think it's hit yet, um, but it's going to because they extended the statute of limitations to audit these. I think they doubled from what it was before. From was it or it was like three years before. Now they're gonna make it what six years or so. They can go back and audit. So it's giving the IRS a lot more time to come after the folks uh, and all the bad actors that are these uh, these houses, these uh, uh, these folks who are marketing these to our clients and taxpayers across the country that they qualify for all all periods that the ERC is available because of uh, shipping issues out in the Pacific. Uh, but yeah. that's just not the that case. Is. And so um, uh, just, if you claim ERC, just make sure you have a solid position. If you don't know if you have a solid position, consult your CPA. If you don't have one, um, you know, just uh, you want to make sure you do that due diligence and are comfortable with that risk. I mean, if your team, if your if your team lost the national championship game in January, maybe you <laughs> qualify. I don't know. Yeah. Thank That's a good argument. That's the one Sorry, I use. Sorry, <laughs> well, probably, that probably a lot of that goes back to. I mean, you hear about the dirty dozen scams on the IRS list, and you know, a lot of these things have been for as long as there have been rules, people have learned how to break rules. And, um, you know, this is just one of the newest rules that came up that the IRS really hasn't figured out how to confront. So I think those bad actors have found a way to make the make hay for themselves because all these other rules that have been in place for years, they have you know, found that doors have shut on them you know, from a number of different standpoints. This was just the newest kid on the block that could get abused. Yeah. Well, listen, I'd love to talk to you guys for hours and hours, but we do not have that time. So. Why don't each of you kind of give us some final thoughts on what our listeners might need to know about getting ready for tax filing <clears throat> season 2024. Uh, I don't know. We already know who won the Super Bowl. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is uh, any last comments you want to make to our audience? Get your information in early and uh, and stay in contact with your CPA. Uh, the more that we're in contact you the, with you, the better. It just helps uh, helps us be proactive as well, and it helps uh, the dialogue to uh, uncover some of those deductions uh, that are out there. 
Yeah, I, I'd echo the same. Uh, we have a lot of great colleagues out there. I and mean, we're, we're not the only ones that do this work and we're not the only ones good at what we do. But certainly if you feel like you're working with someone that you're not getting what you feel is right, whether it's that return call, getting good advice, getting last minute information, you know, maybe you have a good rapport with, all those things are important in that relationship. So if you feel like you're not getting the most out of that relationship, you know, feel you got to make the decision to find the right partner for you. So One more time, Scott. Give, Scott, give out your contact information, and Don, if you'd give out yours, I'd, we'll we'll wrap this up. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my phone number. This is Scott Haberman. Is nine seven zero nine 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 eight nine three two. And for me, uh, my email address is dwatson at ibailey.com. and my direct line is six five seven two seven nine three two seven three. We actually do have partners that have higher than 30 <laughs> IQs in this firm. I promise, ladies and gentlemen. But we honestly, when we when we use our our numbers, we always call on teams and we just press the name and we don't look at the numbers. So anyway, guys, Technology. thank you very much for taking the time out of busy tax season and everything. Hang with me and as I take this out. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for the honor and privilege of your time and the thousands <clears> of people that listen to this podcast every month. Uh, I am honored and humbled by the emails we get, the calls I get. My legacy in this profession is helping you to get to where you need to be. And I'm very proud of the work that I do, that my two friends on this call do, uh, and that our whole firm here at I Bailey do. Um, Please do go on and take a look at Decisions in Dentistry magazine. There are 140 continuing education courses. Look at the three courses that I have put together. You get me. How exciting is that? But anyway, um, look at the courses. We're doing a course on overhead control, a course on retirement planning, and a course on Arts, Gold, and Rules. Those are all available at a very, very reasonable price, <clears throat> www.decisionsindentistry.com. If you're in Southern California or you want to come to Southern California and it's still snowing in the middle of March where you are, uh, we got a great seminar on Saturday, March 16th from 8 to 2, 2, 8 to 2 p.m. at um, the Dave & Buster's facility in the city of Orange. I'm going to be talking about new tax laws, tax planning, um, I'm going to be talking about cost segregation studies. We have a, an amazing dentist who's going to be coming out from the East Coast, I believe, uh, who's going to be lecturing about use of CBCT machines, as well as um, we're talking about social media marketing. I think there's some CE credits involved. Go on the website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. And with that, folks, I will go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast with Art Wiederman CPA. Please tell your friends about the podcast. And again, feel free to contact me. My phone number is 657-279-3243. Uh, we'll get you to my computer and my email is A Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at Eidbailey, E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. And with that, thank you again, folks. And uh, we appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A. 
W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.